Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. All right, Joe, I was on cloud nine at the end of last week's episode. Everything seemed neatly in place. Things are starting to unravel a bit, but still pretty feel-good episode, actually. I was I was loving the back-to-back episodes that I had to watch. <laughs> I, I didn't want to tell you this in the last episode, but I will tell you it now. These two episodes are so boring to me. <laughs> They're so boring. But that's because you boring. feed off the drama, and I just want like the wholesome feel-good shit. So I will... Uh, I will save the reason why they're boring for my uh, pop culture thing at the end. Okay. But it's feeling like, ah, it was such a slog to kind of watch like the last episode, these episodes, it was just a little bit of a slog for me. Saying that as a fan. Yeah. I'll say on my end that I definitely think this is a step down from the previous week's episode a little bit. This one, I did find myself checking how much time was left in the episode once or twice. Um, but I don't know. I love I. But you also have admitted that you've kind of lost your love for Seth Cohen. And these are some Seth Cohen heavy episodes. He's so annoying. I can't. <laughs> you didn't even love that sexy start that we kick off this episode with where it just looks like Ryan and Marissa are going straight from first kiss to first fuck in the same night well no i like that because i'm i'm more of a ryan like you know i'm like ryan gets it ryan could get it and seth finds that out in this episode like boy does he and and i i have a story we'll get there i have a story that i wrote down that that scene reminded me of actually but uh, this this episode started off sexy dude i was like what is happening? We've got we've got a, a sexy song in the background. Mm-hmm. We've got them just like rolling around in a bed. Um, and Ryan's like not even uh, Ryan's literally just like, so uh and I'm like, yo, are they gonna try to fuck on the first date? Yeah. What is happening? And then Kirsten ruins it all. But that cold open is so perfect for me because it ends on such a great punchline where she just goes. Yeah, this uh, never happens. With Seth. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then this like, whole episode's like the burial of Seth's sad virginity, and then like, like immediately, do 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 do, like wow, that what a that was that was like did a good job there. You throw a you throw a crowd laughing underneath that, and that's just a cold open to to, to friends. Just change Seth the Chandler. <laughs> like, 
because uh, they, I mean, Seth and Ryan do have a Joey Chandler roommate energy, <laughs> if I've ever seen one. And Seth Cohen is aware of this. He's asking for questions. He wants he wants to know what happened because he is a 17-year-old man-child who's got the sex drive and sex knowledge of a 14-year-old. Um, but he does exclaim accurately, oh, so I'm just here for comic relief, which, yes, Seth, yes. That, that is... That is that your is, function. Yeah, that is why you are here. You jump to this. Yes, Seth learns that Ryan has had a lot of sex, and he is unable to comprehend this. And it triggered a memory the summer after high school okay. for me. Um, so I, I was really good friends with this girl. Again, I will keep names out of this one. Uh, but we were hanging out. And, you know, we we were, like, comfortable enough with each other to, like, talk about our sex lives sure. and, and stuff like that. And she was dating a guy. And I had almost no sex stories to bring to the table at this point. I'd maybe had sex twice at this point in my entire life. And she talks – she mentioned how the one day her and her boyfriend just decided to see how many times – they could have sex in a single day. It was like a lazy, horny Saturday. And she was like, we ended up doing it nine times. And I remember I was driving a car and I yelled, what are you, a rabbit? And I am shocked that they didn't lean into a similar type of joke with uh, Seth hearing about Ryan's sexual promiscuity. Because the idea of having sex nine times over my lifetime uh, <laughs> when I was 18, driving this person around seemed like a foreign concept, let alone within a 24-hour time frame. Nine times in one day? Yeah, that seems exhausting. <laughs> I could do like nine times in three days. Yeah, but one not, day. One day? Uh, no. I think she's. there's a chance in retrospect, I'm like, she might be lying. Like a day on <laughs> planet Earth or like a day on... <laughs> Like Jupiter, where, like what? Who knows? We look. It's not. It's not our job to question these things. Yes, ours is not to reason why. <laughs> no, no. It, it is. I. It. It made me think of, in retrospect, the episode of Scrubs where uh, JD and Elliot have sex for the first time, and they order a pizza, and the episode is basically the time is being told by the slices of pizza disappearing, and they keep just laying in bed having sex and going back for more pizza while like trying to hash out how this changes their their work relationship. <laughs> um that was the only that when I remember watching that scrubs episode like literally probably like the same year and imagining like oh this is probably this is probably what that that lazy saturday which calling that a lazy saturday is a great under usage of the word lazy i mean it really <laughs> that, just kind of depends because the other thing i mean not is to, that it's teenagers that, well like it's teenagers and the fact that like it doesn't it, it they presumably you know the assumption is that both people would orgasm right Oh, they, that definitely did not happen. I, was I promise say, I was it like, wasn't nine times that both of them were. It may have been nine times just for one of them to get to completion while the other just kept reloading. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't pretend to know how it works between a man and a woman. Um, I, I don't either. 
I don't pretend to know how it works. Question period. over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, period. No prepositional phrases. <laughs> exactly. Period. Exactly. Uh, but man, Newport Beach be wildin' and it gets even wilder <laughs> in Chino, apparently. Because then we find out this is so here's the setup with this. And I thought that Ryan was fucking with them until it's like very clear that's like, oh no, he's he's serious. Cause he's like, Oh, I've had it more than once. And then Seth is very awkwardly like, well, how many times? He's like, with one person or like with different girls? And he's like, different girls? He's like, how many girls were there? And then like Ryan has to take a beat to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> but then that's whatever. You know what I mean? Like, look, there's people who have, I don't think that anybody's count of anything is important. That's like a very archaic thing in my mind. But. Then we find out that with all of this, with the amount of, he can't even count the amount of girls he has been with. This man has never had a girlfriend and has never gone on a date before. So this is just straight hooking up like it ain't no thing. Yeah. (laughs) So frequently that he's lost count of how many times it's happened. Yep. That's it. Wild. It's wild out in Chino. Um, I got to move. So, okay. Hold on. Well, I don't know about that. Um, do you... Okay, this is... We're getting a little real. We're going to derail a little right. bit, right? Um, do you know your number? The indelicate way would be to say, do you know your body count? I hate that. It sounds like... That's disgusting. It, it, it sounds like you're an assassin. Like, <laughs> Do I know it? Like, I can instantly recall and say this is the number because I've thought about it so much? No. No. More like... Could I sit down and write yes. it down? Yes. Yes. I I could tally it out. I don't think it's... I, I'm positive it's not in double ditch. <laughs> you're like, is it... Is it at least hands and fi- hands and feet? It's hands for sure. <laughs> feet, feet, no. Okay, like, man, I'm glad my parents don't know how to listen to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I. It's a, real, it's a real gift. <laughs> I don't know my number. I don't know if I could reason it out in in a in a reasonable amount of time. I definitely don't think it is hands and feet, though. Joe, here's something that I can categorically say describes my circumstance, which is that I refer to when my when I went through my my first real bad breakup, and I had the Matt Kelly slut phase, and <laughs> the Matt <laughs> Kelly slut phase lasted three people. <laughs> Like it was three one night stands that left me feeling so shallow and hollow that I was like, I can't do this anymore. And then it was like 16 years of of like dry spell. So it is, it is not, uh, I, I wish I could pretend that it's this like magical carpet ride of sexual experiences, but it's, it's really not. And I've also, <laughs> I've also <laughs> screwed up so, so, if there is one skill set that I have, and this is this is why these episodes mean so much more to me than I think they would mean to most people. Mm-hmm. If I had a gift in this world, it's finding myself in circumstances where against all odds, I potentially have two romantic partner options and 
constantly picking the wrong option. Uh- like constantly, <laughs> constantly going, ooh, I'm torn between these two. Mm-hmm. I think that there's more of a future with person A. And before I even pursue person A or -hmm. confirm that information, Mm -hmm. my inability to have a poker face or to lie or to even be subtle with people, I've already informed person B (laughs) that person A exists, which effectively kills whatever might happen with person B, then find out that person A not interested <laughs> like like countless times has this happened and you think that i would learn to shut my mouth and not do any like figure out where everyone's feelings are before i open my mouth and speak but like this probably isn't a bad thing honestly but it is a comedically awkward thing mm-hmm. is that in my heart of hearts i never want i never a want someone to feel like they were the second option and B, I never want to settle for one person because the person I want it to be with wasn't interested. Mm. So that's where I continue to shoot myself in the foot. The problem is that I, it's not that I tell them it's that because I tell them and I kind of sever that relationship, I almost do it too soon and then find myself getting to know that person better and realizing, Oh, they, they would have been, if I had actually given them a chance and some time, they would have been the right option. Mm, but I've already, I've already said the statement that caused that to separate, and now they found their person while I was pursuing the wrong. It's, I, I can say that this has happened at least four times. <laughs> like that's how frequently it's happened in my, in my singledom, um, is that I've, I've always rolled the dice and rolled it incorrectly time and time again. But mm. I'm no it no it's fine. I am confident that something will work out soon. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but someday <laughs> it will be the right call. Ah, oh, I love that. I love that. I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> the blind faithfulness? Yes. <laughs> I think it's great. The hope, the hope, the hope, uh, the hope. Do you do you want to hear what my cringiest quote from this episode is? <laughs> I would Of course. When you phrase it like that, I want nothing more. Um it's when the sentence the only man a girl should trust is her father is said by a man who is currently fucking the neighbor's wife. Who could easily be his daughter because they're the same age. Kirsten and yep. Kirsten and um, yep. No, uh, Julie are the same age. It oozes sleaze. I was like, I um, cannot stand any of this. It was like, okay, Trump. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also, Donald. side note, Joe, I'm still waiting for when I'm on Team Julie Cooper because she ain't <laughs> winning me over this week either. She did it with her like apologetic. Like she was really, you know. Like her, you know, I'm so sorry. I wasn't thinking. I just wanted you. Like she, you didn't. No, no. Are you talking about the part where I mostly lost respect for Jimmy and Marissa not seeing through the bullshit that was spewing out of Julie Cooper's mouth? Ryan figured it out without even hearing the conversation. Well, you know, and I'm watching it like recognizes game. Like Chino, (laughs) Chino sees you, Riverside. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm just sitting there and I'm like. 
this, like even the actress, and this isn't a strike against Melinda Clark. She is a phenomenal actress, mm-hmm. and and will continue to be a phenomenal actress. But I was like, man, she's not even putting in enough effort for me to believe this story <laughs> that she's telling. And like, yes, is part of it because she was literally just tongue kissing Caleb in his office before she's explaining how she wants to fix the family and show that she's she's uh, sorry for what she's done. Yeah, maybe I had a little bit of a hint that she wasn't sincere <laughs> before him, but I'm like, she's not even like Jimmy's like, you know, I heard her out and I really think she's sincere this time. I'm like, what? What did she say that we didn't hear? Because Come there's on, nothing Jimmy. that she just said to. But Marissa buys the thing that we do get to witness. Like, I just don't get it. But whatever. Let's talk about me coming to the sad realization that I was 1000% Seth Cohen in high school. I've just explained the making the wrong choice and rolling the wrong dice repeatedly. I've also definitely been the person who was unknowingly talking about the girl I was obsessed with to the girl who was obsessed with me. On a couple oh, occasions. No. And I'm watching this and I'm like, oh God, Seth is one of the worst types of friends for a girl to be friends with. And I'm that I'm that person. Oh my god. Like when he's having the realization that he can't that everything he's talking about is about summer. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been there. I've fucking been there. Like I've absolutely mm-hmm. I, I haven't for a while, but there was definitely, I would say seven or eight years ago. So in my late 20s, early 30s, where like friends were like, you have to stop talking to us about this girl. Like, she's not interested. You need to just move on and accept that. And it was, a, it was I, obviously at the time, you just immediately go to like, you don't understand. <laughs> but like now as, as a person seven years removed, I'm like, they were 100% right. Like I was, I was throwing time and a lot of money yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, into a very one-sided <laughs> romantic endeavor. But yeah, I think I said this in the first episode and I'm about to say it in the 10th episode. I am Seth Cohen. Seth Cohen is me. (laughs) (laughs) Like like I, I, I see a sad reflection of, of especially 2004. Seth Cohen is exactly who 2004 Matt Kelly was. Although Seth Cohen probably had better fashion sense than I did as I had hair down to my shoulders and wore primarily Hawaiian t-shirts and tie-dye t-shirts and everyone thought I was a stoner. <laughs> so, wow. That's Have you never seen long hair Matt Kelly photos? I think I've seen some of the family pictures. Yeah, no, time. there's there's uh, let me see. I might actually have some still saved. I saved a few in my phone because it was such a frequent thing that would come up and people would be like there's no way that I was like I just need them. You need it readily available. Yeah, just here. Here's the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> so like your quote yes cringy because like the quote that you picked was really cringy my favorite quote i don't remember the exact wording i didn't write it down but my favorite quote is uh anna saying uh, uh, seth asking what do you think summer's favorite movies are and anna's like oh you know this one and showa and like <laughs> like all yeah. of these really uh really intense films and i'm like yeah i know that i, I love that <laughs> yeah no i love that scene um and i love later on there's a great showdown quote unquote between anna and summer where summer's like i can't tell if you're making fun of me nah. <laughs> like and i do kind of love that for their relationship mm-hmm. that like that summer can just 
straight be mean or Anna can straight be mean and it just goes right a, a giant whooshing sound as it flies over Summer's head mm-hmm. as it's happening. But we'll get into it. We'll get into it. It is very enjoyable watching Summer not understand when she's being mocked by Anna. Uh, and again, I still really like Anna. Now, let's get into some some shit here. Because let's talk about the Cohen lawsuit slash... Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Legal Legal, the YouTube channel, but I actually Googled to see if he had covered any episodes of the OC on his channel, because I'm like, I need to know this man's specifics mm-hmm. take mm-hmm. on like, there's no way, like there's absolutely no way that there is any way that this trial could happen without it being called into a question of the ethics of a husband being the lawyer suing his wife's father's, Business, I think it would call into question too many, like, too much, like, insider knowledge. They're living in the same house. Like, you can't, there's, (laughs) there's no way. Like, jurors can't go home if the, if the trial is high profile enough. Like, (laughs) it would be one thing. It would be one thing entirely if they were divorced and not living in the same house. For sure. This is something that he's literally said we could we could get this all the way to the Supreme Court. No the fuck you can if you're married to, no, to I, the defendant. Well, <laughs> like, if it's not legal, it's definitely not ethical, which is like in yeah. terms of the legal profession, it's about the same thing, right? Like it's yeah, 100%. So, yeah. This is two non-lawyers obviously talking about this, two people who've never spent a single day in law school. Yeah, we're but not like, yeah, we're not lawyers, don't listen to us. <laughs> don't take but, your legal advice. But still, I'm like, I, I I, am legitimately, I almost messaged a bunch of my friends who are in some form of law to be like, I need you to watch this episode and let me know if this is at all ethical because I'm feeling like it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and this just further, like, I do not like Rachel, aka Mona from Friends. Like, mm-hmm. her character, she is just a homewrecker to the T. Sandy Cohen putting us putting the kibosh on that something that Kirsten wasn't able to do with Jimmy, just making a no, not keeping score here or anything. <laughs> but even even with how much I dislike Rachel, I did write down. That being said, if a pretty girl was eating Thai food on the floor and asked me to come and sit down with her, that would pretty much be my dream scenario. <laughs> yeah, but she is just like she is so like thirsty. thirsty? She's so thirsty for him. And I'm like, girl, like, you know, just what are you doing? It's not. And he's flowing. He's throwing up nothing but signs that he's not interested. But I think this goes back to the previous episode. The the, episode nine and ten are actually they're the perfect couple. They're (laughs) they're a great companion to each Mm -hmm. other, Mm -hmm. because if you remember the the repeated line of dialogue that they say two or three times in that episode is a girl loves a guy that she can't catch Mm -hmm. like like or something along those lines like a girl a girl loves being chased by a guy that she can't catch or something like that I, i forget what the exact wording is but anna explains it to seth and then ryan gives that exact same explanation and that's exactly what's happening with rachel she is she is trying to track down 
she she's hunting for game that isn't trying to be hunted in the slightest mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, I'm so d- I don't want this to continue. And then of course, fucking Caleb is in there throwing wrenches and everything, putting dirty little thoughts inside Kirsten's head. Like won't stand for this. <laughs> I'm not a fan of this at all. Caleb is like my favorite character when it comes to just utter chaos. Just like you want, do you want to have like, do you want to have like something completely random happening? Caleb, Caleb's always at the center of it. It's just, it's, it's delicious when he comes in from the soap opera drama standpoint. You know, Joe, I was thinking about something too. If so, I was thinking that maybe at the end of each season, uh, you and I could share our best and worst episodes. And what I'm realizing is that there is a, there is a legitimate chance that by the end of this season, you and I have the same answers, but in the opposite positions. <laughs> like, like that my least favorite episode ends up being your favorite and my favorite episode be, ends up being your least favorite. Because I think that what we look for in what is like the most appealing version of the OC are so diametrically opposed to each other. Yeah, Considering that you loved last week's episode, you loved this week's episode for how chill they were. And yeah. I'm like, I, hated I would, them. <laughs> as of right now, as of right now, if I had to pick, it would be like, oh, episode nine is my favorite episode of the season. Episode eight is my least favorite of the season. And I could like legitimately see you being like, flip that. And you've got my answer <laughs> so far. Let's take a break from the OC. I promised this last week. I finished watching Friends very recently. So mm-hmm. this was all fresh mm-hmm. in my head. Mona made it onto my list of the three women that I think Ross should have ended up with instead of Rachel Geller. Okay. <laughs> or R- Rachel Green. Rachel, Rachel Green. Green, yeah. Yes. He's Ross Geller. She's Rachel Green. Mm-hmm. At number three, <laughs> Bonnie, Phoebe's friend that Ross and her were getting along j- just fine until Rachel made her shave her head. Mm-hmm. Number two, Mona. What a beautiful meet cute. They meet at the kid's table mm-hmm. at the marriage of his sister. It's it's a sweet little story there. And my number one, and I think in a lot of the writers' minds, also their number one, I, I heard a factoid that this was a scrapped subplot for the final season to bring this character back. Julia, yes. she's just so lovable. She's such a sweet person. She compliments all the weirdness of Ross. She's also a paleontologist, so she gets all of that quirky stuff. And apparently, they were planning to bring her back in season 10 to like create this tension further of the will they won't they, where it's like the only other option that Ross could ever have to struggle with would be Julie or Rachel, even though we all know it's Rachel. But do you have any hot takes on that? Or are you like, no, nope, well, they 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 deserve to be together? Was your parameter Rachel. that the the reason why it didn't work out is because of Rachel? Kind of, but because I have one. I like the I like I like Julie. She's my number one pick. You yeah. are you you paid attention. <laughs> you're like you're not a casual fan. You paid attention. I yes. like Mona. Um, I would switch Bonnie out for Charlie. Charlie is a good. Uh, Char- so here's my only thing with Charlie. I just find any circumstance where you're not just dating like, if I dated an acquaintance's ex girlfriend, <laughs> it would be one thing. Dating like a person who I was the best man at their weddings, ex-girlfriend is 
a whole other like, ooh, that's that's a tough hill <laughs> to get past. So I feel like the Charlie relationship, while they were very compatible, if she had just started dating Ross and there was never a Joey aspect of it. Yeah. 100%. The second that her and Joey were dating as long as they were for as consistently as there were, like Ross or Joey would have had to remove themselves from that entire group of friends. And unfortunately, I think the friends, as even though it's Monica's brother, I think they would have sided with Joey because Joey was the one that was wronged in that situation. Yeah, but Joey also knows that it's not a good like he knows that they're not compatible like rachel yeah. the rachel joey plot line that oh, was the dumbest plot line that they've ever so dumb the, notwithstanding it is it's the fact that he recognizes that he is not that they don't have much in common here's the one thing i will say about the joey rachel ross charlie plot is that it gives us what is the what what might be the best episode of friends but is certainly the best episode of the later years of Friends, which is season 10, episode two or three, mm -hmm. the one where Ross is totally fine, <laughs> where they go over Ross's house for, for a dinner as couples to prove, he wants I'm to fine. prove how totally- I'm, I'm making fine. fajitas. Fajitas, my fajitas. <laughs> like, that episode is is an amazing like if you're even one of those people who's like ah friends isn't for me that's how i mostly feel but there are certain episodes that are so undeniably brilliantly written and it's like the one where no one's ready the one where chandler's in a box the one with the prom tape and i would put the one where ross is totally fine or the mm -hmm. one where ross is mm -hmm. fine whatever it is uh i would put that in that same contention as just like that is just sitcom writing yeah. perfection. Like yeah. everything is hitting on all cylinders there. All right. There was your little break uh, from the OC to talk about friends. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. 
Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Anna gets asked to go on this yacht party. The the Juliet Cooper rehabilitation tour begins <laughs> with a yacht party to prove how happy the Cooper family is. Mm-hmm. Marissa is going to bring Ryan. Ryan, uh, they, so there's actually, there is a kind of cute quote unquote scene where you're simultaneously watching like three different couples have to cancel their dates all at the exact same mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. Um, which I like, I like symmetry. So, yeah. so I was like, all right, fine. That's, that's cute enough. So all of them are essentially rescheduling their dates to be on this yacht party um for for a children's charity that Julia Co- that Julie Cooper is heading and that the Caleb's Caleb's company is funding to try to help with their current bad press in the news with them trying to take over these wetlands or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so Marissa's like, "Ryan, you're going to come with me. My family deserves to meet my boyfriend," which he's like, "I've never been a boyfriend before." Which is <laughs> 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 Yeah, like it's a very dude when he says stuff like that, he sounds like fucking Sylvester Stallone. Like it's just like, no, you do this. Um, yeah. So she, he's like, but your mom hates me, and she's like, she just doesn't, she doesn't know you yet. Which like Ryan does a phenomenal job of really making sure that Julie Cooper hates him by the end of this episode. But we'll get there. So they're going. Seth is like, you know what? I want to take Anna with me on this yacht. That's who's going with me to the yacht party. And Anna's like, why? So you can use me to make Summer jealous. He's like, I don't even know if Summer's going. I don't care. I want to be there with you. And this is, I think, where I wrote down, I can't explain why 90s or 2000s indie rock girl fashion works so much for me, Mm -hmm. but it totally does. She's got that little like sideways cap thing. It should look stupid. I don't, it probably does look stupid. Works for Matt Kelly. Don't know what to, how to explain it. It just does its thing. (laughs) She's not like other girls, Matt. She's a quirky girl. And that's, she is a quirky girl. And that is. That is describes your type, I think. <laughs> She's yeah, not like she wears a cabbie hat sideways. I love it. Um, <laughs> what's that song by uh, Click Five? That's <laughs> that's yeah. She's bittersweet. Did not get on my feet. Yeah, that's uh, that's who I'm looking for. Just uh, the girl. Yeah. Just the girl I'm, the looking, girl for. I'm looking for. Uh, but yeah, so they they're going. Summer finds out that Seth is going. And just ask some rando that she sees to prove a point. And we don't get a whole lot of this rando, but I do love this one line that they show where it's it's a bit that I see a lot in like shows like uh, like The Simpsons will do this, where they just give a character one line to show how much of a dud of a human being they are. And for this character, the line is, it's like totally dark, but also totally visual. <laughs> And it's like, I love this. Yeah, I love this man. Yeah. Give this man a spinoff series. He's <laughs> the story I want to follow. Um, but Summer realizing that this guy's a dud. Whew. Seth Cohen, man. What a dog. Nah. <laughs> he's, he's there with Anna. He's having some nice romantic shit happening on this yacht with Anna. He's kissing Summer. Summer's having a freak out because, oh my God, Summer likes Seth Cohen. Matt Kelly, fully invested (laughs) (laughs) um and then marissa 
Jess comes in and is like, did someone need to order a shit storm to hit this yacht party? Because I've got a bomb to drop. And Ryan's like, dude, she was making out with Caleb in your driveway, like right after she talked to y'all. Like, she's fucking deceitful. She doesn't care about this family at all. She's a piece of shit. And Marissa's like, I'm going to ruin her event. And Ryan's like, well, I don't know about that. And Marissa just goes up there, takes the mic and is like, oh, we're about to raffle the best couple. Well, I certainly hope that my mom and Caleb get it because aren't they the cutest couple in the world, folks? And it is just chaos. The paparazzi's there snapping. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Marissa is, cha- if Caleb is chaotic evil, Marissa is chaotic good. Like, she is. Yeah. And it's like, it's unnecessary. And why? And, and it just kind of reinforces, like, you spoiled little rich girl. Like, Yes. That's what I mean. Nothing about this. This is like, you've aired out your family drama. This is a very high school thought, though. Mm-hmm. Is it's like, it's the same thing, like, high schoolers, for the most part, do not know how to break up gracefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like the breakup has to become a smear campaign. It has to be <laughs> like, it just has to, there's, there's no other route. And then you get into your thirties and you're like, yeah, sometimes you're in love with somebody and then you wake up and you're like, Oh, I actually don't love this person as much as I thought I loved this person. And my life is actually better if I just don't think about them and bring them up casually with my friends versus when you're a teenager where the whole point after the breakup is that every hangout is like, let's just talk mad shit on this person that you used to date forever. Now, uh, this isn't my pop culture promo. Hulu just added another season of Jersey Shore Family Vacation. So I've been watching that. (laughs) And Marissa's definitely got a like wow Snooky level of energy on how they deal with disappointment, which is like, well, let's just blow up the whole fucking thing then and take everybody down with us. Uh, so Marissa's just like wrecking house, but then like the perfect fucking button to the scene mm-hmm. is Kirsten and Sandy Cohen winning <laughs> the romantic getaway. And Sandy's not there. It's like, there's just, it's, it, it ends where I'm like, man, I have a feeling next episode is going to be all the stuff that Joe likes and all the stuff that makes my tummy hurt. <laughs> like, Coming up. <laughs> what I love is that, like, because you've already seen the Chrismica episode, you know how it you know how it ends. I've seen the Chrismica episode, but literally, if you if you asked me, all I could tell you is that I remember that Seth Cohen has like a five item gift, like the essential Seth Cohen yeah. thing. He makes and their gift about him. <laughs> yes. And that summer dresses up like wonder woman. That is all I remember. I didn't even remember Anna was in that episode until, <laughs> until like around this point where I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess he was like between two women. And one of them must've been Anna. Like that's like how little I recall <laughs> that episode. So it is going to be mostly fresh eyes going into that one. It feels like there's almost this, like, like the OCs riding this wave of like, Here's two heavy ones. Here's two lighter ones. Here's two heavy ones. All right, let's calm it down to lighter ones. Um, and I think that we're probably, my prediction, based on knowing that Chrismica is a pretty lighter episode, all things considered, it's not like seeping in drama from what I remember. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to get. A lot happens, but it is not seeping in drama. 
yeah, I feel like I'm going to get really decimated somewhere in episodes 11 and 12. And then that Chris, Chris, and then we're going to get to the Chris episode and I'll feel okay. Now, the fact that so many people wanted to talk about episode 14 countdown makes me unsure what that's going to be. So that's like my only gauge on like how dramatic is some episode going to be? And if like all five people that we've reached out to are like, Oh, can I do like this episode? I'm like, okay, what fucking nonsense is about to happen in like episode 14 or episode 16 that like so many people are like, need to be there, need to be there. But all right, no. Okay. I'm strapped in. I'm ready. I'm excited for when I finished episode eight, I was not looking forward to doing more OC. I was so stressed out from everything. Mm -hmm. These two, I'm like, I wanted to keep going. I wanted to just keep rolling right into episode 11, episode 12, get me to that good, good Christmas feeling. Yep. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Joe, you ready to talk some music? Yeah. I mean, it was a lighter episode, right? Like, yeah, this was, I, I still think I liked the previous episode more, but that's just me. That's boring old Matt Kelly wants everything to be wholesome and great. If the whole world could be run by Muppets and Sesame Street, I'd be happy. Uh, I'd, no, I'd, no drama, no stress. I would buy that, <laughs> but then you would get like, you know, at a certain point, it would turn into what, happy time, murder, or whatever the fuck? Like, yeah, the- I mean, I guess I guess nothing can be good forever. Nothing gold can stay. Yeah. Um, so there's only three songs in this episode, similar to last week. Uh, the Sexy Times at the start of the episode had Aqualung's Strange and Beautiful playing. Uh, when Seth and Anna are having their moment on the boat, uh, Stacy Kent's A Fine Romance is playing. And then Marissa and Ryan have their final, their first date. It looks like maybe we're getting some sexy time uh, at the end of that episode. Who knows? I guess I'll find out next week. Uh, but Leaves Breathe is playing uh, as that mm-hmm. final scene happens joe what did you pick as your song for this week oh it's the aqualung it is definitely the aqualung <laughs> song dude that, like as soon as that song started playing i thought man it's going to be an uphill climb for something to beat how perfect this song is for yeah. this scene <laughs> all right sometimes it's fun when we disagree but i i think no, it's fun aqualung when we both fully agree way. that there's yeah 100 percent. that is the, that is the song of the the episode um, what is your pop culture promo that you want to talk about? So, God, I'm so excited because I've been, I'm in a rewatch right now of one of my favorite shows. And I, it started as like, I'm just going to casually watch it and I'm going to skip around and only watch my favorite episodes. And it turned out that like, fuck, I have a lot of favorite episodes that I just <laughs> like started. I've been skipping over particular parts, which like I love because... I'm at that place where it's like, I don't need to see this. Let me just get to the good part. Um, yeah. It's Scandal. Okay. I I think you hinted at Scandal in a previous episode. Yes. But yes. And I freaking love it. Um, especially because like I'm on the I'm on the final season right now and it just goes off the rails to start. And it is so drama, capital D. It's so soapy. There's it's it it pushed the envelope for primetime television. Um, it's yeah, and like and again, like watching going from watching Scandal to watching these last two episodes, it was like boring. <laughs> it was like it's so boring. <laughs> no one's dying. No one's being tortured. No one's having sex. 
like, well, you know, trying to, but, you know, not succeeding. It, it's fulfilling me in a way that I didn't think was possible right now for the for a show to just be so much fun um, is is kind of what I was missing. Well, I love to hear that. I'm sorry that uh, that the OC isn't bringing you that joy just yet, but it will again, I'm sure. Oh, uh, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Mayan, I, I'm taking some real liberties with like a pop culture moment uh, because I felt like this shit was not promoted at all. But the newest season of Letterkenny dropped like a couple weeks ago. Uh, at the time that we were recording this anyway. And like I knocked it out in an evening because that's kind of what you can do with Letterkenny. It's six episode seasons that are like 20 minutes a piece. So it's like the the length of an average movie anymore is the full season of Letterkenny. It was fine. Letter Letterkenny is one of those shows that have you watched? Have you have you indulged in Letterkenny? Mm-mm, no, I I know people who love the show. I know people who watch the show love the show, but I've not uh, seen an episode. So Letterkenny is very interesting to me because I put it off assuming it would be similar to something like Trailer Park Boys that people mm-hmm. have a lot of opinions about and nothing has like made me chuckle. And with Letterkenny, you have to like, it's similar to how I tell people to watch Parks and Rec. Like you got to get past that first season. Mm. They're, you got to feel out these characters. You got to kind of know who these characters are. And then... It's such an interesting show of juxtapositioning mm-hmm. um, in the sense of all of these characters are basically redneck hillbillies. You know, like they are they're The one dude's whole characteristic is he's known for fighting. He's the greatest fighter in Letterkenny. So if there's ever any uh, any dispute, they bring in the main character to settle the fight. But what becomes so charming and beautiful about the show is that they are like so open <laughs> to everything where mm. it's like there's just episodes about like they, them like beating up someone for being a homophobe, like beating up someone for being a racist. Like they are like so overly progressive and like <laughs> welcoming and loving and mm-hmm. and like the one thing that they won't stand for is hate in their town. And then you just become invested in like these hillbillies saying the most, like what just feels like they would not be these people that Mm. like when a character comes out as like gender fluid, they go out of their way to make sure that they get their pronouns. Correct. Like, it's just like it. And it's almost like the comedy comes from how much of a utopia (laughs) it's like weirdly depicting. Like, and this season was like a little bit more of the same. Some episodes, like the first episode is literally based around them having a giant committee meeting uh, because there is a competition to design your own chip flavor by submitting what you think the greatest chip is currently and your new flavor. And the town of Letterkenny comes together to form a chip committee to determine once and for all what is in fact the best chip flavor and what should be the new chip flavor based on that. It's just like there is a charm in taking something so unimportant and so small and treating it as something so important uh, within this world. I kind of like that. Yeah, it's it is like a I don't know. It's just it works. It works in a way that doesn't make sense that it should work. But they do a they do an Agatha Christie send up this season. So kind of the tie in with last week's episode. It was probably the best episode of the season, honestly, was that the 
the money from the church cook uh, bake sale has gone missing. And one of the goth kids shows up and like goes full like every Agatha Christie novel deducing like, oh, well, it must have been this person. And it's like the plot of like this one Agatha Christie book. And then another one's like, I think all of you stole it. And they're like, that's just murder. <laughs> murder the Orient Orient Express. Express. Like, like every time he pitches what it is, they're they're calling out like which Agatha Christie novel that plot twist is pulled out of. Um, and then in, at the end of it, spoiler alert, he was the one that stole it. And it's a reference to the very last book in that series where uh, the detective is the murderer because he's dying. Um, I forget what the name of that particular novel is, but that is an Agatha Christie thing. And his reasoning was because they wouldn't let him bring his pop brownies to the bake sale and that hurt his feelings. It's just, it's such a dumb, wholesome, funny show. Uh, But yeah, that's my, my, I guess my pop culture promo is more like, Hey, if you didn't know that the 11th season dropped on Hulu over Christmas, like, yeah, Sorry that Hulu's not promoting their shit anymore. <laughs> that is so good. I think okay, well you've 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 convinced me that I should probably give it one episode or two. So I'll I'll try to find because they're so like inconsequential, I'll try to find like a ooh, watch this episode first just to kind of like see what it becomes it. Okay. to inspire like and then you'll decide you're like wow that did nothing for me then it's like okay that's then definitely don't I go into, on this journey um <laughs> that's how i got into what we do in the shadows was just yeah i think you random. need some of those shows you need like that random entry point mm-hmm. like i think my first episode of always sunny was like somewhere in season four yeah and i was like oh this show's really funny and then i bought the first season on dvd and i was like this show's not that great and then I was won over around the Danny DeVito period. Once Danny DeVito kind of came into the fold, it really took shape. But uh, Joe, is there anywhere that people should go to to see what else you're up to besides watching the OC and Scandal? Yeah, you can listen to me on Fright School uh, here on the Geekscape Network. Uh, listen to me talk to uh, my co-host Joshua about all things horror. Um, I'm supposed to be a novice, so I'm still learning my learning horror and learning, uh, getting my education through Fright School. Uh, and listen to our back catalog as well too. We have we've we've uh, done over almost 250 episodes, um, 250 films and TV shows. So there's something for everybody. But uh, check me out there. It's a damn fine show he's got over there. You should definitely check it out. Uh, and. I just go to geekscape.net. <laughs> yeah. Just... If you see a podcast on there, there's a 50 50 chance I'm on it. <laughs> so that's that's my rule of thumb right now. So check that out. I love it. Network.